Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. There are very few things in life that are as good as advertised. Very few. Think of TV shows, The Sopranos, Seinfeld. Their final shows were filled with nonstop criticism as many, many loyal viewers felt their finales were not nearly as good as they expected. Again, not as good as advertised. This can also happen in sports. The unpredictable nature of athletic competition draws us in and we hold hope, as we say here at Screen the Screener Podcast, that the game will be as good as advertised because it's our outlet, our break from reality. And this past Saturday night, Gus, we saw a college basketball game that was indeed as good as advertised. Actually, it was better than advertised, way better. Number seven, UNC versus number six, UCLA in Las Vegas. How you doing, Gus? Oh, so great after viewing that game. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Thank you for your personal choice of consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast. We are fabricating this college basketball listening adventure on the evening of December 19th, 2016. We aim to improve your commute to and fro, aid in your fantasy football detox. We know it's coming, people. Provide that nugget of sports uh, info that'll win the daily uh, or weekly water cooler sports knowledge battle. It's going to happen. Use the Screen the Screener podcast to your advantage, listeners. We're so thankful. We're very humbled. And we're honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops, especially that Saturday night matchup with Mike and our ever-increasing audience. Ahoy out there, at Lee Busby 8, safe passage. And hello out there, at TCON3317. Welcome in, guys. And what a thrilling, amazing game, Gus, that can only be produced by the sport of college basketball, the players, the passion of college athletics, the fans, the coaches, the historic programs, and that flow. That game flow from that game was unreal. Kentucky 103, UNC 100. The NCAA administration, in their infinite wisdom, right, talked about rule changes and to bring back the freedom of motion. Mission accomplished. Just how good was this game? Well, Gus and I are going to compare it to a 10-round championship fight. So we're going to review this game for you, round by round. Each round is going to represent that four-minute period before the TV timeout. Ten rounds, ten summaries, and we're going to score it ten times. Mills Lane, get us ready. Now look here. I expect a tough, clean fight. Protect yourself at all times. Any questions from the challenger, any questions from the champions, let's get it on. So here we go. Let's go with round one, which again will be the 20 minute from the start of the game to the under 16 TV timeout. It's clear from the start of the game, right, that Kentucky freshman Malik Monk had it rolling early. Off the tip, down, up and out, top of the key, jumper good. Then he had three from the wing with Kenny Williams trailing behind like that anchor guy in the tug of war team that's flopping around because they're about to lose. Then he had a catch, a pump fake, a sidestep three from straight away. Monk, that was a preview of the night he was going to have. For the Tar Heels, Old Roy had a great game plan. They were running on the break. They hit Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks inside off of that secondary break action that UNC has made so famous. They were crashing the board, second chance opportunities. And Joel Berry, the second, Gus, which was so key, coming off a sprained ankle against Radford on December 4th, he was our player to watch. For UNC to have a chance to keep it close, he had to be 100%. And it was clear 
from round one that Barry was ready to roll. At the end of that first timeout, end of round one, Carolina 12, Kentucky 10. We'll score it 10-9 Carolina. All right, let's hit round two. If there was any doubt that Monk was on the verge of a special night, this four-minute segment eliminated that doubt. By the time we reached the end of this part of the game, the under-12 uh, TV timeout, Monk would have 15 points. And normally strong on the ball defender Kenny Britt would look foolish and be forced to leave the game with two fouls trying to check him. Kentucky started going inside. Bench players kept the pace moving. Uh, for UNC, Joel Berry had a pretty left-handed finish at the rim, and Justin Jackson hit a three, and that now patent floater in the lane. No points for Jackson until the 1350 mark, which is really interesting, but these five points would get his engine going and establish the eventual foil to Monk's historic evening. Kentucky 21 UNC 19. We're going to score that round. 10-9 Kentucky. So now let's hit round three. And this was really the game within the game. Like that great book that you can read over and over again. When we rewatched this game, we picked up little nuances of coaching moves and mistakes. Coming off the break, Kentucky inbounded under UNC's basket and Tony Bradley was on the ball trying to disrupt the inbounds pass. De'Aaron Fox got it in. He inbounded the ball. He went opposite side with Bradley following him. Now clearly Roy thought that he could get away, Gus, with this mismatch for one possession because yep, he, yep, left, yep. he left Britt on out of bio. The ball went to Fox who made Bradley look foolish on a crazy crossover and then finished with a jaw-dropping reverse layup up and under. UNC pushed the ball right back up the floor, though, in a nanosecond, and Jackson attacks the baskets, get an intentional foul on Briscoe, and he gets the, the free throws. Two minutes later, Fox inbounds the ball, and this time Bradley quickly sp- switched with Britt. That shows that those mistakes are not going to happen twice, and that's what we needed to see in this game, to see the adjustments, to see what was going on. It, Roy picked it up quickly, made the adjustment, and that's how close this game was. Those things are going to matter. And then how about this next sequence, Gus? Fox off the break with an N1, UNC yep. miss, Fox alley-oop for Monk, Meeks off a quick break, he had a deep post-feed layup on the secondary break, then Monk comes down, step back long two with a guy in his face, UNC right back up the court on a Justin Jackson take to the basket that got a foul. This round was fast-paced, great players making great plays, scintillating basketball, Autobio had a dunk, but then UNC always had an answer. If this was a round... Kentucky ended up being up 36-26 as we went into the under-8 timeout. It's got to be a 10-8 round Kentucky, though. Round four was the Monk versus Berry round. Monk was just unconscious at this point of the game and in the zone, and you could kind of tell he was in for a special night. It was like Michael Jordan uh, shrugging his shoulders like performance. That's what type of night he was having. But just as impressive in this segment was Barry, who proved that he was healthy enough to bring his A game and bring that All-American type uh, prowess that he played with early on in the season. He made huge baskets just when his team needed it most and found itself in a hole. He finished with his left again, a three in his face, kept feeding Jackson, who also got hot and was on his way to a big night, on a big night himself. And this kept UNC close. A 12-point lead at one point for UK, but it ended 47-41 Kentucky at the under-four TV timeout. Barry totally kept his team in the game here and played like the leader that they were lacking the games that he missed. The 12-point lead could have easily gone to 20 if Kentucky pressed, but Barry kept it close. We score this one 10-9 Kentucky. And now let's head to the final round of the first half. More Barry, more Monk. Jackson answered Monk with a three. He actually had a couple misses Monk did at this point by some miracle. It was 56-51 Kentucky at the half. Monk had 27 first half points. Just incredible. 
Jackson had 20 for UNC, and we had ourselves the foundation of a wonderful college basketball game. Monk had the most points and a half by a Kentucky player. He tied with Jamal Murray last year. UNC weathered that storm, and since the finish was only down five, when Monk had 27 points, you figured they'd be down more than five, they're going to win this round. We score that fifth round, 10-9 UNC. All right, halftime scores are in. Mike, what do the judges say? Uh, Even the Russian judge has it close. Kentucky 48, UNC 46. Close game, but Kentucky's got the lead here as we head into the second half. Any thoughts on the first half, Gus? Absolutely. This is like a a UCLA-Michigan redux. You felt like that UCLA-Michigan game the, the pace at which they were playing with was totally unsustainable. I don't know about you, but I had a, the complete opposite feeling in this game. I felt like the teams almost had more to offer in the second half. I felt like not only was it sustainable, but they were gonna they were gonna even push the envelope even further. So I had a totally different vibe coming off of this first half than that high-scoring 50-50 Michigan-UCLA game. Yeah, it's so true. It reminded me of that East uh, final between Duke and Kentucky years back when Leitner hit the shot. I mean, this just had a magic in it where you're like, this game is going to come down to the wire. So that first half was incredible. Let's hit the second half. So we start with round six. A lot more game inside. They went bam inside for Kentucky. Then Hicks and Meek. You tell Roy and Calipari went into the locker room, talked to the coach, and said we got to pound the ball inside because certainly it's not sustainable to continue making long-range threes and jump shots throughout the game. Berry versus Fox got fun here, and there was an apocalypse upon us because Isaiah Briscoe hit a three. He only had five last year. He was five of 37. He already has five this entire year. Great job for Kentucky. That's a, that's a huge bellwether for them. Justin Jackson stayed hot. It was 67-61 Kentucky at the under-16 timeout, which is the end of round six. No blood, no damage here. Teams coming out, feeling each other out for that round where you're just parrying blows and sort of running around the ring. So we're going to call it even. 10-10. I got round seven, huh? Just happened to be the slowest part of the game. Like two great prize fighters staring each other down, definitely a little weathered from the fight, catching their breath, trying to see who's going to find that second wind first. Adebayo got his third and had to sit, giving Meeks a chance to grab some putbacks inside. Fox was still on attack. Monk hits another three. But Barry and Jackson answer. 74-72 Kentucky. And hey, look who showed up. Is our buddy Luke May. He gave UNC some more quality minutes off the bench. The 6'8 sophomore definitely gets his, like we said last podcast, gets his money's worth every appearance. He rebounds. He can step out. He got huge minutes for UNC. UNC closes the gap, even with Monk's amazing performance continuing. UNC is right there. We're going to score this round 10-9, and we're going to give this round to UNC. So let's hit round eight. We got three left, people. Monk hits 36 at this point in the second half with almost 11 minutes left, setting an all-time Kentucky record for points by a freshman. Kentucky, one of the most storied programs in the country, and Monk sets a record for all-time points by a freshman with 11 minutes left. Ball goes inside to Bam for Kentucky and Bradley for UNC. Meeks and May also got involved here as well. It was a critical point is when Bradley missed a dunk. They were down eight. He missed the dunk, came back off the rim. Fox goes coast to coast in a nanosecond. By the way, Gus, I think he's faster than John Wall in my eye test. That's saying something. Carolina quickly comes back, though. So Kentucky's up 10. We're hitting about the 10-minute mark in the game. 
but Carolina comes right back and May hits a wide open three. Only his second three of the year to cut it back to seven. That's the type of game this was. This, you, the punches, the counter punches, unbelievable. Critical, critical possession with under eight to go. Uh, that was a huge three. It was Kentucky 84, UNC 77. You would think that Kentucky would start to pull away here. They had the advantage. We scored 10-9 Kentucky in round eight. Oh, round nine. At this point, both teams are shooting 50% from three-point land. Like we mentioned before, we just felt like this that type of shooting and, and, and the type of scoring was going to be sustainable. And please realize that the defense here was actually strong. We mentioned in our LAD podcast that we felt like Kentucky was going to be a little bit more committed on the defensive end. And we know that Roy coaches his guys up for big games. This was just a brilliant display of shot making by amazing student athletes. So... They get the first shot after the break. Guess what it is? A Luke May 3. So vital. When UNC needed a bucket to stay in it, they got it. Fox to the basket because they just can't help on the shooters. Secondary break, deep post pass to Meeks. Fox with another jumper. It looks like he could be the preferred finisher this year because it seems like he can get to the basket whenever he wants. I agree with the quickness comparison to Wall. He can finish with both hands despite being the crafty lefty. They dump it down deep into uh, Hicks in the post off the secondary break, back to what they did in the first half, and both teams are doing what they do best. Then, after a bam, drop step dunk, really nice offensive move, we got a critical double foul on Meeks and bam. We don't have a big problem with it. They let a lot go on this game, and it was all to the benefit of the viewer, and I'm sure they warned them all night. Unfortunately, with the double fouls, Meeks fouls out. Kentucky up seven. CBS put up this graphic with five minutes left just for your interest to compare the two teams. Field goals made, 55 to 54. Eight threes for Kentucky, seven threes for UNC. 18 assists for Kentucky, 15 assists for UNC. 44 points in the paint to 42 points in the paint. You could not have a more evenly matched game thus far. The critical juncture here is Hicks turns around against two defenders, impressive shot making with Meeks just fouling out. Barry gets another three and he cuts it down to two. And you can just feel the momentum coming back to UNC's side. Monk actually drives to the basket. He hits a nice short pull up, a little floater, uh, call the press. Monk actually hit a non-three in this game. Barry with a super smart move. He gets to the basket, fouls, two shots, makes them both, of course, going into the final round. 95-93, as soon as the ball is back in play. Here we go. We're going to score this round as busy as it was. We're going to give this round to UNC 10-9, to down to round 10. There's no stopping this now. This is our round. All your strength, all your power, all your love, everything you've got. You're going to punch and punch. You can't punch no more. This was it. The final stanza of a fantastic college basketball game. If you're scoring at home, right now we have Kentucky up one going into this final stanza. Monk had a shot that rolled in and out. There was a foul inside. Bradley makes the two big free throws. And here we go. We got 150 left. Kentucky gets a stop, and it's a tie game. The crowd's going crazy. Monk gets a steal. They head up the court, and he throws an alley-oop to Gabriel. Bad decision by Monk. Not a great catch by Gabriel. Went down as a turnover to Gabriel, but it was a lethally bad turnover because they were freshmen. For the life of me, 
cannot believe we'd ever die for these sins. We were merely flashmen. I blame Monk. Do not put an offensively challenged player in that situation. Make the easy pass and know your target, Malik, on a fantastic historic game. That was a critical mistake. UNC calls a timeout. Old Roy draws up a play, Gus. And in a tie game, what do you think is the play he runs? They run the elevator play. Why not? We've run it in high school. Cross screen down low. Briscoe's trailing Jackson comes up. He's got to go around the elevator. Three from top of the key. Bang. 32 for Jackson. UNC up one. Roy, I believe. Kentucky's in trouble. The only option, give it to Monk. He's covered. He doesn't make a move. Tonight, he doesn't need to make a move. Jab step series. Bangs a contested three. Barry tries to answer over the seven-foot Isaac Humphreys. I think he got a piece. It was in and out. But Hicks gets a massive rebound. Boy, did Kentucky miss out of bio at that point. Absolutely. They go right back inside to Hicks. Jackson comes off a curl screen on the weak side from the baseline. Briscoe's trailing again. Bounce pass from Hicks. Jackson foul and one. And at this point, I thought UNC had it, which is what makes this game so great. You thought Kentucky's going to win. Is Berry going to play? They keep it close. But now we got a minute left. And now I think UNC's going to win. But Jackson missed a free throw. And on a fantastic night, you cannot blame him. He's an 86.2% free throw shooter. Wonderful game. He was only 10 of 15 from the line in this game. Justin, that's not going to cut it in a big game. I'm sorry. He misses the free throw. UNC gets the rebound on a back tap by May, which was huge. Kentucky now with 30 seconds left decides not to foul. Not to foul. Very smart by Cal. Barry, Barry attacks a basket over Humphreys. He misses. Here comes Fox, a.k.a. the Human Flash, up the court. So now UNC is only up two, and they've got to guard the drive because they're only up two. If Jackson had made that, they probably would have defended Monk. But they're only up two. Monk spots up. Fox attacks. Monk is open. Do we even have to talk about it? Bang. 47 points for Monk. Now Kentucky's up one. Roy had no timeout, which I love. Why worry about getting the ball back in? Why call a timeout and then you have to get the ball back in? Barry comes down. He feeds Hicks. Critical moment here because Hicks got doubled now by Humphreys and Fox left Barry. He left Barry open to double Hicks, a 10-point-per-game player. But Hicks has to pass it out. He didn't. He shoots it. Fox rebounds, makes the first one. And then, Gus, this was mystifying to me. I mean, I know they're only freshmen. They're up two. He tried to miss the second one on purpose because there was 1.9 seconds left. Just make it. Or just make it. So just he make. banks it in and he's like exasperated that he made it. They're up three, which is the right move. They pass it in. Hicks calls a timeout, which was absolutely uh, travel, by the way. Reeked of Chris Weber, but that's fine. Um, Roy ran a fabulous misdirection play to the far court, which May had a tremendous throw to. Um, but then Kentucky defended it, but they fell out of bounds. And then with 0.7 seconds left, another thing that just made me raise my eyebrows, Gus. Mm-hmm. They need a three to tie. Monk... Let's Kenny Williams just run to the three-point line instead of defending and making him pass back door, right? Because there's only 0.7 seconds left. Right. Williams got a three off. It was contested, but he misses it. What a miss. What a game. We scored, folks. 96 Kentucky, 95 UNC. An unbelievable game, a spectacular all-around game, and an unreal ending. It was very close to the actual score of the game, 103-100. <laughs> so if it was a boxing match or a basketball, 
game. I mean, it's tight either way. So here are the few takeaways I had from this. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think all the viewers benefited from this. College basketball benefited from this. Um, UNC benefited. Uh, University of Kentucky benefited. There was no real losers in this game. Um, I think it reinforces how good Barry is. I think it also puts a stamp on that Fox and Monk could be the best backcourt, not only freshman backcourt, but just plain old backcourt in the nation. Monk's performance was was transcendent. It, the list of people that he just, you know, he, that he leapfrogged to get to the top of the Kentucky scoring list was unreal as well. 47 points against all-American type talent. This wasn't like 47 against like, you know, the school of the blind. No offense to the school of the blind. They just may not be fantastic basketball players in Division I. Um but 47 points against a top 10 ranked team who some people think can go to the Final Four, the, the performance was through the roof. I, I, I am blown away by how well he played. I am blown away by how well both teams played. And you, we mentioned this in our round-by-round round rundown. The coaches really coached their pants off. I mean, Williams lost his jacket, so he, he coached his jacket off. But those guys made great adjustments coming into the second half and then throughout the second half. And they, they were not shortchanged by any means on their part. And they put their student athletes in the best positions to be successful. And holy cow, I, I, just, there were so many things to pay attention to. Uh, you're, again, your eyes almost didn't know where to go with this game. Yeah, I, I'm going to be critical now. Listen, it was a brilliant basketball game. I'm jumping around. I'm making my wife watch it. Kids all over the house probably grabbing electrical sockets and stuff. You know, But it was, it was that good. I will be a little critical. First off, Malik Monk needed to have every one of those 47 points, Gus, or they're not winning this game. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if you can expect him to shoot that well for in, in an NCAA tournament like East Final or Final Four. Especially sometimes those games are in domes, right? So it's harder to shoot. Ask a buddy healed what happened last year, right? Exactly, yeah. But you knew right away he was on fire. I'm going to tell you right now, just like we used to joke about Middle Tennessee State last year against Michigan, you knew in two minutes. He was shaking his head after the second shot. He had the MJ shrug. Certainly Kentucky would have lost this game if Monk doesn't have 47. That's for sure. Um, I do think Fox is the finisher. He got to the basket whenever he wanted to. Um, I don't think Gabriel's giving Kentucky what they need. I mean, I think he wants to be like a Rodman player, but he doesn't mm-hmm. get that many rebounds. He's offensively challenged. They're giving him three feet when he catches the ball. Um, but I, I saw something there. I, I was really impressed with UNC because I guess I just expected with Barry coming off the injury that they weren't going to compete in this game, and they did, and they're going to get better. So great game all around. Kentucky loaded, tremendous talent. Callis to mesh them together a little bit more. Fox is a big-time player. Not We know Monk's going to be an NBA player. Fox is an NBA point guard, period. He's a, he's a he's just wind him up. He's a plug-and-play. Let him go, folks. What a great game. Hey, I have a quick question for you. We, we didn't really talk about this beforehand. Do you feel like Fox is going to have as big an impact as Chris Dunn did last year? I think he's going to have more because his arms are so long and yeah. he's on the ball defender. He ha- I've seen him this year. He had to have some rips, you know, where they cross over and he pokes yeah. it and then runs behind. And he can finish righty or lefty. He's hitting, you know, the, you know, MJ really had the scoring when he would do the pull-up jump shots, right? The lost mm-hmm. art of the pull-up jump shot. Fox, see, I didn't see Monk get to the basket. I don't see Monk yet as a guy who puts the ball down and gets all the way to the rim. So I think defenses will adjust to him. I don't know how you stop Fox. 
I have no idea. You can't press on him. He'll go right by. He's great in transition. He can dunk. He makes his free throws. He can pull up. He's not great from three, but he's so long that he can get by you in a blink of an eye. I think he's going to be better than Chris Dunn. Yeah, I, I felt like the defensive comparison was 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 spot on um, with Dunn. I just felt like he can impact the game in so many ways. Um, and if yeah, if he can get, I mean, he's not shooting a great percentage from three, but if he gets at you know just even kind of at the level, I mean, he is borderline unguardable um, as far as like how long he is and how quick he is with or and without the ball. Um, and you know what else I, I you know what else I was really enjoying uh, in this game was the uh, Briscoe and Jackson matchup because you knew Briscoe was going to be on Jackson uh, the entire game and you saw how smooth and how silky and how like crafty Jackson is. It's not like he was a uh, uh, you know it's not like he's light out uh, faster or a better athlete than Briscoe, but you saw how he operates in an offense and how he can find the creases in that offense and get his get his shots, get his floaters, get his threes, uh, work around the screens. Um, so I was, I was impressed by that matchup, and you know, I was happy to see Briscoe hit a three or two too. Basketball has changed, Gus, with the three-point line because you play a team like Kentucky that shoots it that well. You can't help, and if you can't help, you have to be able to contain the guards one-on-one, and you can't contain Fox one-on-one. So that's why I, I, I've been pushing on Twitter as well. Start Willis. Don't start Gabriel. Listen, Cal, yeah. knows, Cal knows what he's doing. He has a national title. Right. I, I'm just excited I have a, a Greek pita, and I get to watch Middle Tennessee State. I mean, that's fine. But I just think that Willis gives him another shooter out there. I don't know if Gabriel's giving him 10 boards a game. If he was, it's a different story. And Adebayo is a key guy, of course. But what a spe- spectacular game. Unbelievable. I mean, we, we felt like we got a couple of good like games of the year candidates early on, but this one blew every other game out of the water. It is the leader in the clubhouse, and and if we happen to find a game um, that tops this one, then you know we luck out as the viewers, that's for sure. I said I'd pay 500 bucks to see this in a Final Four or championship, and that's totally, totally true. Um, <laughs> Great. But, Gus, there were other games this weekend that were actually incredible as well. So uh, why don't we hit our news and notes? Sounds good. News and notes from the hardwood. All right, so the first game we're going to go to – uh, Crossroads Classic in Indianapolis. We're going to do those two games back-to-back. Gus will lead you off here with Purdue and Notre Dame. Uh, so, I, yeah, I got my eyes on this game, and it was a pretty incredible game that this that these, that these two ranked teams played. Um, Notre Dame came out in the first half and drilled Purdue offensively. Uh, some of the things that uh, we predicted on the podcast came true, the, uh, their, their backcourt and their swing players uh, – were playing really efficiently offensively. They led by 17 twice in the first half. Uh, VJ Beecham made a three for the Irish uh, en route to them making seven threes. They were seven of 12, actually, um, compared to only two of seven for Purdue, who normally is a decent, efficient, good three-point shooting team. Um, that just helped uh, create that crevice in the score. Um, they attacked Swanigan and Haas. They attacked uh, Purdue's strengths. Um, and they had Purdue out of sorts uh, at the half. So it was hard to envision Notre Dame, number one in the country in, uh, in turnovers, the least of any D1 team per game, and number one in free throw percentage in the country. So it was kind of hard to see them like fumble this game away with missed free throws and turnovers. Um, Purdue is not a team uh, with the bigs that they have that can come from behind easily. You know, They like to grind it in, toss it into their big guys, and let them do their work down there. And Purdue was fourth in the country in three-point uh, three shooting percentage, but just on 263 attempts. 
And much of this had to do with ND's improved defense. We talked about this last podcast, how we felt like they were Ding up a little bit more, uh, a, a little bit closer. They were closing out on three point, three point, attempted three pointers more efficiently. It was just a real dominant first half for the Irish. And who would have thunk what happened next? We totally paid attention to what was going to happen in the coaching chair. Coach Painter really impressed us. He totally tweaked his lineup to go ahead and shake up or at least get some sort of results. Sit down, Isaac Haas, insert Vincent Edwards. Edwards lost his starting job, and he's not been happy about it, but he got to start in the second half. He jump-started this team, and Purdue had cut the lead to four in just about two minutes. Now it was just game on. Our guy Matt Farrell set a career high with 10 assists. He kept setting his teammates up, and they kept responding. But Purdue used this increased defensive energy and Edwards scoring to get right back in the game. And for the first time, Purdue was playing uh, was playing Notre Dame kind of even. Klein hits a big three with a little under 11 minutes left, and Purdue actually took a two-point lead, 67-65, their first lead of the game, which seemed un- incomprehensible in the first half. The huge coaching move by Painter to keep his big man, 7-2 Haas, on the bench, and then inserting the wing player, Edwards. Haas played only two minutes in the second half. This was a huge coaching move by Painter, and it totally paid huge dividends for the Boilermakers. He went way up in our book. They outscored Notre Dame 48-29 in the second half. It's a big win for Purdue. Kind of an awful loss and a terrible second half for Notre Dame. They were predicted for seventh in the ACC, and now they have two close losses to Villanova and Purdue. Um, Mike Randall, did you see anything that jumped out at you from this game at all? No, that's a perfect summary. And the reason it's an awful loss for Notre Dame is because this was winnable. This was so winnable. Boy, I will tell you, when Notre Dame is cooking, they are so good offensively. Farrell has got to be, at this point, the most improved player in the country. Has to be. Super um, impressed with him. He's making everything run. Bonzi's great inside. My only negative on Notre Dame is, is Beecham's got a little bit of an edge, and I feel like it's not productive. There was something happened in the second half. Beecham didn't get the ball after a backdoor cut off the top of the key. You heard him say a vul- vulgarity, give me the blank ball. Yeah. Um, you know, like he's got an edge, but I don't know if it's like a chemistry productive edge. But when they're flowing, they're as good offensively as anyone. But that second half changed everything. You sit Isaac Haas down, your star center, except yeah. for two minutes in the second half. Great job by Painter. It's a good win for Purdue, and it's a bad loss for Notre Dame. Really well said. Uh, and just an aside here, the Coulson-Swanigan matchup was as nasty as we hoped, right? Both put up their usual double-doubles. They went at it in the post and out to the three-point line, and – the option of playing Biggie at the five is huge for the Boilermakers moving forward in Big Ten play, and both power forwards balled out in this contest. It was really cool to see those two guys matched up. And you nailed it before. Purdue has 263 total attempts. They're fourth in the country in made threes, 43.7%. At the half of this game, they're two of seven. I mean, if you, right. to- you told me that, I just don't. I didn't think there was a way in the second half that Notre Dame could not score for that long a period of time. But Purdue got up in them. They made they made him make some miss some shots. Vistoria had a terrible game. My guy Steve Vistoria. Um, it, it was a really really great job all around by by Purdue. A nice win. It's going to help him down the line. Uh, all right. This another great game here at the Crossroads Classic. Um, we weren't sure about a few players in regards to health or role. 
maybe I get too wrapped up in that, Gus. Like, I want both teams at their best. You know, that, that's what makes the game great. But as it turns out, this one was fine. James Blackman Jr. would start for Indiana. He had 26 points, so no issue with the knee injury. Seemed okay to me. And, and uh, OG Ananobi was active but not starting. He had his ankle injury, but he played 26 minutes, so he was pretty much relatively fresh. Yeah. And the other move, which was a coaching move, great job by Butler head coach uh, Chris Holtzman. Uh, mm-hmm. Keelan Martin was back yep. in the starting lineup after not starting the last game, and that's where he should go- stay because he was the main issue all night for Butler. Back and forth game. Things opened up with about two minutes left to go in the first half. It was 33-28 Butler. Uh, Martin ends the half with nine consecutive points. End of the first half, nine consecutive points. Three-pointer, three-pointer, end one. Made the free throw and a layup. Butler led 42-28 at the half. Butler did what Notre Dame Gus should really have done. They kept Indiana at arm's length. They never really allowed them to get close for that first 10 minutes of the second half. Which is what, yeah, which is what the leader has to do. They got down to four with a Blackman three with four minutes left. So they weren't close until four minutes left. But then Holtzman calls a timeout. Butler scores on a Sean McDermott layup. Good inbounds play by coach. Back to six. Indiana got it, Indiana got it back down to three at 77-74 on an Ananobi um, making one out of two free throws. And then Shabis made two free throws for Butler. They have played a tough tough non-conference schedule and had a huge resume building win here 83 78 over indiana butler gus has played vanderbilt arizona cincinnati and indiana and has beat them all we included butler as one of our in one of our initial podcasts as one of the top 30 ish teams in the nation worth a look uh, while other ncaa hoop outlets dismissed them as also rans in the big east Screen the screener was right on with the Bulldogs early for all the right reasons. And now, like you mentioned, they have a top 15, maybe even a top 10 uh, team resume. And they are reaping the results of the new Big East in a huge way. By the way, how smart does the new Big East look now? They bring in Butler, Xavier, and Creighton, all ranked in the top 25, and they're going nowhere fast. They're going to be there all year. And they fuse them with traditional powerhouses, Georgetown, Villanova, by the way, the national champion, uh, sleepers with a rich history, Providence and Seton Hall, and programs that are bound to get it right at some point in huge demographic areas, St. John's and DePaul. Uh, Putler and Coach Holtzman uh, have things rolling with a bit of fairy dust or Brad Stevens residue from back-to-back title games. The Bulldogs are going to be a tough out all season in the new Big East. And remember, we warned you all the way back in October about the Bulldogs. Yeah, they're for real. Yeah, they certainly are. And it was a great win for Butler. They're battle-tested heading into conference play. They're 10-1, and the only hiccup at Indiana State. We talked about that, that early loss sometimes on the road. Uh, January 4th, they're home versus Villanova. They're at Georgetown. They're at Creighton. They're home Xavier. Just like that Steve Austin skullbuster challenge, Gus, that's quite a schedule to begin 2017. Totally agree with you on the Big East. Those four teams are as good as anyone. Give me a Creighton win in Arizona State this week, and I'll be the happiest guy around. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I love the uh, WWE uh, Steve Austin Skullbuster Challenge comparison. Gus, Tremendous. have you ever seen that thing? The, the things uh, you do on there is out of control. You know what? You know what? You know what those are? You know what those are called? Those are called big boy chores right there. Yeah. Big- ca- cowbell, dumbbells, pickup logs. What are you out of your mind? My hernia disc will be horrific. Uh, let's get out and take a look in Vegas. As you mentioned, the best city 
in the nation. Ah, uh, the lights. Number two, UCLA, speaking of bright lights, um, 86, Ohio State, 73. You know what I'm going to say here? <sighs> we just missed with this fishy line. We threw this out there as our initial Twitter hashtag fishy line and advised everybody to take Ohio State and the points, which was sitting at about nine and a half, and we just missed here. We promise that our next fishy line will just be a point or three closer. We're still seven and two on the season. Keep in mind, this was a three-point game at the half. And maybe you're thinking like Ohio State and Kentucky last year all over again when an undermanned Buckeye team blew out an ultra-talented Kentucky team. Uh, UCLA slowly pulled away in the second half. You know, think of the summertime, right? Like when you pull apart that ice cream sandwich that you just got off the ice cream truck and you can see the chocolate holding, but then it starts breaking and crumbling. And then the vanilla ice cream is still congealing but then it's stretching to its physical limit, and then boom, you split the sandwich with your brother, your sister, your friend, and there's no putting that sandwich back together. That's kind of what happened in the second half here. Mind you, the sandwich is still good. Alford and Holiday, 20 points apiece. TJ Leaf with another near double-double, 13 and 8. Lonzo Ball with a near triple-double, 8, 9, and 9. And the forgotten man, Hamilton, with a tidy 17. Hmm, you know what? Even though it's cold and wintry, I'm kind of feeling like an ice cream sandwich right now. Mike Randall, do you have any thoughts about grown men sharing desserts? Yeah, I, I don't share desserts. Just not my thing. Uh, you know, I, I'll have a Carvel ice cream. They even, are Carvel even around anymore, Gus? I have no idea. Baskin Robbins? Who knows? I'm not sharing desserts. I'm not sharing it with another guy, another girl. I, I'm a big dessert guy. Give me the chocolate brownie. You get your own. Okay? We can go Dutch and split the check, but I'm not sharing desserts. Uh, hey, ice cream sandwiches for everybody, okay? <laughs> let's, let's go. So, so listen, and, and let's give Gus some credit. Put this one out on Twitter. By the way, follow us at Twitter at SDS Podcast. You can email the show also, folks, SDSPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow Gus for his fishy lines at C Kern, C-K-E-A-R-N-S-12, or myself at Fantasy Warrior Mike, F-T-S-Y Warrior Mike on Twitter. He put it out. He liked it. It was an odd line. Game was in Vegas. Maybe that was it. But nine mm. and a half points. It was a close game the whole time until uh, Alfred hit that three late and kind of put it away there, but I thought you were right on. So uh, l- let's just remember Gus is 7-2. and two. That beats anybody's picks out there. Okay, so we'll take the 7-2 uh, the and two Gus as he rolls along here with the fishy lines. 55%, you're a legend. Okay, you're in the movie Casino. Okay, hopefully you're not in the car when it's exploding for De Niro, but, um, but Gus is hot as heck. Ne- uh, next, next one will be a little bit closer. Um, and again, I promise later on this week, we will take some email questions, so please email the show, get your questions in, and uh, um, Mike and I will be very game and very active uh, getting back to you and responding to your questions on air. Uh, next one we're going to go to, uh, just quick, uh, and then we have we got a big show today, a lot of stuff going on in the show, but Kansas 89, Davidson 71, this game was in Kansas City. Uh, Gus, game was in the Sprint Center. It was down the road from Kansas, but it wasn't right. on campus because no mm-hmm. one's at campus right now, so they tend to do these off-campus games, which I like. Um, Jayhawks were lethargic in the first half. They were sloppy, and at one point they were 0 of 7 from three-point range. Uh, Davidson was the opposite, very live, made some big shots. Uh, Nathan Equo hit a short jumper right before the half. Davidson took the lead at the half, 43-42. Wildcats look ready for the upset. Uh, second half, Peyton Aldridge hit a three, which was their ninth of the game at the 1834 mark. It was 49-44. Davidson up five. Upset alert was on. Uh, but then Kansas got going. Josh Jackson answered with a three. Your guy at the 1711 mark. That was the first 
three, Gus, of the game for Kansas. It's mind-boggling. Uh, game was still tied with 10 minutes left when Landon Lucas had a dunk. Jayhawks were lead for good at that point. They outscored Davidson 31-13 over the final 10 minutes. Um, 18-point win for Kansas. Doesn't tell you the whole story. Takeaways I had. Davidson is averaging roughly 33-point attempts a game. Um, really impressive. That's either going to shoot him in or shoot him out. Uh, they do have a nice inside presence with BC transfer Will McGarrity. He was a junior. He sat out last year, but he's going to do a nice job inside. He's 6'11 from Sweden. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jack Gibbs only had 12 points in this game. Kansas was all over him. He had seven in the first half. Kansas hounded him to a 3 of 14 uh, shooting day. He was averaging 24, 24 points per game coming in. For Kansas, my takeaways are simple. Mason and Jackson, 18 each. What else is new? Carlton Bragg, Gus, came back from his temporary suspension. We're certainly glad the battery charges were dismissed and that there was nice nothing, yeah, nothing there that was certainly uh, needed to be handled legally. Uh, they need a 6'10 frame inside. They were a little rusty, but they got the win that all great teams do when they don't have their A game. So I, they're playing Josh Jackson at the four a little bit, and this totally reminds me of how Duke played Ingram at the four last year. A mega-skilled position player who's a little bit out of position, but not really out of position for the you know 2016 NCAA positionless uh, season. Um, his skills are a mis- mismatch waiting to happen. You put a heavy-footed traditional bing on Jackson, yeah, good luck with that. Throw a smaller wing on him, yeah, here comes an offensive rebound or a post-turnaround jumper. He's got handle, he's got a reliable jumper, he's got some toughness, just like Ingram, even though his frame is not for the traditional four. Throw in one of the best backcourts in America, and Kansas is going to be an issue, and they are going to be up for another Big 12 title, and that's very possible for the Jayhawks this season. Super impressed where, where he's playing. I love that uh, Self is playing him at the four. I think it's going to be a, a great move moving forward, and um, he's going to be a tough guard, whoever they decide to put on him. Yeah, well, let's. Uh, we we got so many games we can talk about, but we have a, a couple more things to get to. Of course, we want to give you our on Broadway segment. And by the way, we also have a new stump Gus, which I'm sure you're very excited to uh, to have. So, uh, what do you say we go through a couple one liners here for the remainder games? A little rapid reacts. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me kick it off. We got my Creighton Blue Jays. They were uh-huh. at home. They won sixty six sixty five over two and ten Oral Roberts. A bit of a scare for the Blue Jays. Uh, they comfortably took the lead. Uh, they comfortably had the lead the entire first half and most of the second half. But Oral Roberts chipped away and actually took a five-point lead with six minutes left. No one scored in this game, Gus, for the last three minutes of the game. Bizarre. So it was 66-65, a little over three minutes left, and it ended 66-65. Blue Jays are lucky to escape. Creighton was only three of nine from the foul line. We know they shoot threes, but they got to get inside a little bit once in a while. Uh, Marcus, Marcus Foster, which is what you would expect a big-time player like Marcus Foster to do, pumped in 22 and saved them. Uh, the big man for all Roberts, Al, Albert Owens, had 23 points, elite all scores. Um, great, great game for the for the Golden Eagles. Uh, just saying here, all Roberts is a little live this year. Keep an eye on them and keep an eye on their game against Little Rock. And if you remember, Little Rock upset Purdue in the first round of the tournament last year. I bet they're going to play in this game, that game too. Just keep an eye on that one. Really, yeah, it's so true. I really want Creighton to be undefeated when they end up playing over the break, uh, Nova. Um, but they got to get out of Arizona State. Bobby Hurley will be ready. But survive in advance. Creighton escaped here with a 66-65 win. Number 12, West Virginia, 112, University of Missouri at Kansas City, UMKC, 67 the 800th win for West Virginia coach Bob Huggins. He becomes only the 10th head coach to reach that milestone. Um, second to do it this week, along with Roly Massimino, who uh, earlier got 
a week at uh, Kaiser at NAIA. He defeated Trinity Baptist for his 800th win. Uh, great career for both coaches and so glad that he's going to get some recognition. The part that keeps resurfacing here for me is the love that his former players display for Coach Huggins and the ownership that Coach shares with all of those players for all of these wins. I say more casual pullovers, more sideline stools, more talent gap-reducing presses, more sideline hugs, more wins for Coach Huggins. Let's go. A great job for Coach Huggins, one of the all-time greats, Hall of Fame coach, Big win for West Virginia. Players love playing for him. There's no doubt about that. He's had some issues early on, administration, things like that in Cincinnati. Guy's a great coach. Of course, he had the heart attack. He survived. Doing a great job in West Virginia in the Big 12. Listen, I've gone on record as saying I'm not sure how good they're going to be this year, but you can't have any more respect for Huggy Bear than I do. Great, great coach. Um, He's in a good place right now, Coach Huggins is. He's in a real good place. Yeah, really well said. Uh, Gus, how about that uh, number 17 Xavier at home? 69-65 win over Wake Forest. Danny Manning, Danny and the Miracles, uh, comes in and they almost knock off Xavier at home. Trevon blew it, though. Gus had other ideas. Yeah, so it seems to me like Xavier always plays close games, the Baylor game aside, of course, and they win these close games. Sumner and Blewett are playing like they want to be included in the best backcourt in the nation conversation with UCLA and UNC and Kansas and Creighton. And plus, I also noticed, Gaston, he's he's producing more consistent play at the forward position for Xavier. Um, I really like what Coach Manning has working in Wake. Let's just give him some time to get it get it rolling in the right direction. Like let, let's not panic with him, and let, let let's let let's allow him some time to dig in at Wake and, and do his job and do it really well. Sounds good. I I think we have to give the people right now, Gus, what they want. Let let's give him a little stump, Gus. What oh, do you say? No. Yeah, I, I'm totally ready and and completely nervous. All right. So in case you didn't hear us last time, Gus is the foremost authority in all things NCAA basketball. So what we have is a hundred thousand dollar pyramid like game. There are six players or teams that Gus does not know about. I promise you he did not win last time, so we're not faking this. I don't know. Um, we have You'll hear the uh, clock in the background, 60, sec- uh, 60 seconds on the clock for one, uh, one minute. And now as I give the clues, Gus can jump in and say the name if he knows it right away. So if I start by saying he had 47 points this week, he can just cut me off and say? Malik Monk. Okay. Uh, but we hope he gets through it. I'm going to challenge him. This little competition between me and Gus right now. I'm technically up one nothing. But here we go. Uh, the Stump Gus segment. Rave reviews on Twitter and on email last time. So we're going to try it again. I will say this, Gus. With the exception of one team, we have talked about all these players and or teams at some point in the podcast very recently. Okay? Okay. All right. All right. That's a good clue. Thank you. All right, so we will get the clock going. Oh, very nervous. Not starting to sweat yet. Maybe once the uh, clues come, I will. Very nervous. Here we go. As Dick Clark says, ready, go. 800 career wins. Coaches at his alma mater. Bob Huggins. Yes, good. I'm a senior point guard on a top 10 team. I play in the ACC, and I'm the team's leading scorer, even though I average less than 10 points per game. We're known for defense, and I'm a top 20 finalist for the Bob Cousy Award. Mike Randall constantly yells at me to shoot the ball. London Prentice. Good. Junior, under 6 feet, NCAA leading scorer, 30.8 points per game, Central Michigan. Uh, I'm spacing on his name. Same I'm not first get- name as Foster from Creighton. Uh, Marcus. I can't remember his last name. I'm not going to get it. Move on to the next one. We'll come well, back okay, to it. Pac-12 team, currently undefeated. Florida Gulf Coast Andy Enfield, head coach. 
tough round one loss to Providence. USC. Point guard, Big East, team is undefeated. In Nebraska, from Philadelphia, Blue Jay. Mo Watson. Ohio Valley, uber efficient, no threes. 21 points per game? Do you have a guess? Not sure. Evan Brads, folks. Evan Brads. Oh, Evan Brads. I should have got Evan Brads. Yes, tough though. Uh, Marcus Keene was oh, Marcus Keene. Because yes. you mentioned yes. him last time. Very, I very did good. Under yes. six foot conversation. Yes. Marcus Keene. NCA leading scorer. Yes. Very impressive though. Huggy right away. You got Parentis, got USC. Mo Watson was very quick. The last one was Evan Brads. Evan, Evan Brads. Brads. We mentioned Evan Brads, 6'7. Very efficient down in the post. Oh, man. Well done. I'm up 2-0, I guess. But you, are, you, are, you are 2-0. and oh. He's getting better. You know, you, we could do this for me. We could keep switching back and forth and see how we do. And, but this is impressive. I mean, listen, how many people could get Bob Huggins, Parentis, USC, Mo Watson, Marcus Keene? You got half of it. I think Dick Clark would have given it to you, Gus, and uh, Evan Brads. You know what? The game is fun. I hope the people are entertained. The, the, the clock noise really adds this this authentic panic. I, I have to I have to be honest. It, it does. And what you do last time is you do one for me and bring up all the people I don't like. Bill <laughs> Self. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Infuriate me. Baylor. They're ranked number 10 in the country or whatever they are. Right? <sighs> oh, uh, well done, Mike Randall. Thank you for uh, providing the audience with possibly the most entertaining segment that we could offer them. Oh, my goodness. Fabulous. Just fabulous. All right. So uh, let's take a walk on our favorite app. Oh, please. Let, yeah, let, let, let's head down the app, would we? On Broadway. All right, so our first stop on Broadway is a rematch from last season that produced a very shocking result and kind of put um, people on alert of this team. We have UNI versus number eight UNC, and if we remember this game from last season... We all remember what happened. Huge upset. Um, I'm going to pay attention to the Morgan-Jackson matchup. I think that's going to be well worth watching and definitely worth monitoring because both of those players have put up over 30 points thus far uh, this season in individual games. And I think the key team-wise is going to be pace. As we saw in the Kentucky game, UNC has no problem getting up and down with people. Um, But you and I, I don't know if Northern Iowa – wants to go ahead and try to score 90 points. So I think pace is going to be key here. And that's really going to be, uh, that's really going to be the deciding factor. And now that Barry's healthy, uh, I think everybody's going to be leaning towards UNC. Yeah, I, I agree. UNI is a, is a live team. UNC, Barry's back. I don't know how to feel for this game. Not sure how it's going to do. It's a great matchup. Jackson was huge last year. Um, the pace is going to be the key. Uh, great matchup, North, Car- North Carolina and Northern Iowa. We're going to take a closer look at a couple of guys that you focused in on, Mike Randall. We're going to take a look at Clemson versus number 22, South Carolina. Um, and it's just what you and your guy, Jared Blossom Game, ordered. It's an out-of-conference opportunity to bolster that March profile for Clemson. Um, it would be a great win for South Carolina as well, coming off the loss to Seton Hall. So both teams are kind of in the in the market for a marquee win before they start jumping into conference play. I'm hoping for Blossom Game to have a big game here to bolster you and his All-American prediction. Yeah, I love Blossom Game. Uh, it's playing very well this year, but Clemson is not. They need this win. No Thornwell. That's right, Kevin Willard. Didn't forget. They got to get this win. Clemson wants to make the tournament. They got to get this win, period. 
one of the guys I did nail on this particular episode of the Pyramid, number 12, UVA, and London Parentes, versus Cal. Very simple here. It's athletes versus system, which means dial up Cal for under 30 points in the first half. <laughs> it just seems like every time <laughs> UVA steps on the court, you're thinking like, oh, you know, let's see what happens. And boom, the opposing team has under 30 points by halftime. That has to be such a deliberating team, a thing uh, mentally when you walk into the halftime locker room and you actually look up at the scoreboard and it says 28 points. It has to be. I think that's going to happen to Cal in this game too. <laughs> yeah, I, this is a big game for Cal. They've had some injuries early on. Rab's been hurt. they got to get it going. Uh, I, I'm just not buying Virginia. I get the system, but they all average nine. Parentis doesn't have the athletic ability, I guess, to get those big games going, and he's not super quick like Fox. I mean, maybe he's quick, but he's not long enough to get to the basket. I'm, I'm down on Virginia. If we did like a stock up, stock down, I'm down on Virginia. I'd like to see Cal get this game because I think Cal has some talent, but we all pegged Cal as sort of a disappointing team, you and I, at the beginning of the year. But contrast in styles. This one will be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to see whose personality uh, the game adopts. Um, I just have a sneaky suspicion that it's going to be uh, the, the Cavs' personality. And then uh, biggest game on Broadway, number six, Kentucky, back in the spotlight again, versus number twelve, uh, number 10, Louisville. You know what? I was thinking about this when we were going to talk about this game. Do, do you think this game is at the UNC-Duke level of rivalry? I, I think it just might be. Yeah, it's there. Uh, this is a big-time game. This is every bit the UNC-Duke. I, I can't even see how they can reproduce what happened with UNC-Kentucky, but the Cal rivalry with Patino, Kentucky-Louisville mm-hmm. in the same building, this is as good as it gets. This is a very under-the-radar, getting ready for your holiday season, kids' concerts coming up, the whole bit. Wednesday night, you got to watch this game. So the pace of game is also going to be key in this we saw that UK has no problem running up and down, and they want 80-plus points. Louisville wants to slug it out with you and go sub-70. So I think wherever the, uh, you know, wherever the scoreboard is telling you uh, at the first TV timeout or maybe at halftime is going to be kind of forecasting on who might have more control of the game. Size is another thing to pay attention to. Louisville is huge, like you mentioned. Will their size matter inside? Or will Monk be Monk and keep bombing from the outside and that size won't be a factor at all? Um, Athletes. I bet the matchup is pretty even here on both sides. The only part where I think the athletic advantage sways one way or the other is at the point guard spot. I think that Kentucky has an enormous athletic advantage at the point guard spot with Fox over Snyder. I think that could be the deciding factor in this game. Um, So it's worth paying attention to how that matchup plays out and what Louisville decides to do to try to slow down Fox or or, or, or limit his his gains. I'll I'll tell you something, Gus. Uh, Fox could have a monster now because the knee-jerk reaction is going to be don't leave Monk, right? Mm -hmm. Can't leave Monk, can't leave Monk. Fox could be in line for a triple-double in this game. Ooh, I admire that call. I am really liking that call. Other part we have to pay attention to is something you mentioned already, the coaches. Who's going to be able to get their student athletes in the needed adjusted positions in the second half to find success? Because as we mentioned, you know, uh, Coach Williams uh, and Coach Cal both did that in the second half. 
of the UNC Kentucky game. Uh, the script's going to be familiar here for Louisville. You can see what they didn't do against Baylor in the second half and how Baylor really changed things up and Louisville had trouble adjusting. Who will install the game-changing adjustment with the highest percentage of success? That's worth watching. The coaching battle is worth watching. And um, you know what I'm going to say? Come on, NCAA hoops. Just give us another classic. Enjoy the broadcast, ESPN. Um, you should be in for a unique atmosphere Hope Coach Greenberg and the game day guys have a great game, and we're totally looking forward to the broadcast. Cheers, guys. Um, Mike Randall, anything else on the docket for this podcast? I think we're good. Uh, this was a loaded one, guys. We, we, you know, the Kentucky UNC game needed to have that that separate ten round rundown. We love doing that. A uh, lot of exciting things going on. This is the calm before the storm. Um, I think Gus is coming back with a little diatribe, solo diatribe on Thursday for you, folks. This is very exciting. Um, oh wow! You're, you're gonna lift uh, you're gonna lift the the curtain a little bit and let the audience in on what might be coming next. I like it. Okay. Well, well it's a little bonus if you listen to the full podcast, Gus. I think we yeah, give it to him. Um, yeah. So he's gonna come back to you on Thursday. He'll give you a whole rundown of uh, Kentucky, uh, Louisville. Uh, yes, sir. You know, it's a it, it's a great time of year, and then it's the calm before conference play. We get into conference play. That's when things really pick up, and you start sort of separating who's here and who's there. We have some great segments coming up for you in the future. We have some great guests coming on next year. We have um, the bracketology breakdowns that Gus and I are going to do on on, uh, on a pretty and pretty um, rec- you know up to date basis every week. Um, we just appreciate you being with us. We love doing this, and uh, we're real excited. Hey, uh, so we'll just get out of here with some quick thank yous. Uh, if we if we didn't say thank you to the tech department for putting in the timing uh, thing for the pyramid game, we would be remiss. So we're going to say thank you, technology department. Technology. And we just want to say thank you to the intro, outro music that is in your earbuds, hopefully. And hopefully you're giving them a, another listen on uh, iTunes, Beljar, B-E-L-J-A-R. Uh, thank you, boys, for bringing us in and out of uh, each podcast. So thankful. And... Thank, thanks to you guys, the, the listeners out there. Thank you for spreading the good vibe. Thanks for spreading the good word on the Screen to Screener podcast. Uh, Mike and I are really thankful, and we really like bringing you this product, and we hope that you're enjoying it, and we hope that you continue to consume it in the way that you see fit. So thank you, listeners out there. We're really humbled. Listen, if you like the podcast, guys, we'd love a five-star rating on iTunes. You can subscribe to us. We're on Stitcher or on TuneIn Radio. Tweet us at SDS Podcast. Email the show. We'll read it on the show, SDS podcast at gmail um you can follow us on twitter fantasy warrior mike for me sea currents 12 for gus that's it folks and i hear a little bell jar now screen the screen